Fundamental Life Podcast. Welcome back. This is uh, episode two. Getting used to, uh, you know, chatting it up. We did come up with a name. Yes, we did. And a cool logo. Yeah. I like it. It's uh, I made it with my fingers. <laughs> it's a fundamental life. Yeah. So basically, you know, this podcast, we're going to talk about a lot of things. The one thing we won't talk about is stuff we don't understand or know anything about. Not saying that we know a ton, but we'll, you know, we'll be sharing things that we feel like are beneficial to our clients and honestly, just kind of interesting. So knock it out. I mean, let's, let's, what are we talking about this week? Well, you know, that's the thing is um, last week we talked about lack of education that gets put forth to um, the normal person in a school situation. Like public schooling doesn't really teach about econ point oh oh one of uh, being able to be a good consumer and how to purchase a home, how to be able to purchase things in life. And uh, with that, because... Um, there's the there's a baseline that I would say there's just the four C's of uh, purchasing a home, and uh, as as you look at each one of those individually, we can spend a whole podcast talking about each one of those four C's. But uh, it's credit, capacity, collateral, and uh, capital. Yeah, I think uh, even going back, like you said, a lot of these things aren't taught. Um, you and I have had tons of conversations about this and it's because a lot of our clients just are financially illiterate. Um, you know, people in their, in their twenties, thirties, forties that just don't quite understand really how things work. So I think that, well, let, let me actually give you an example. So this happens to you and I weekly, someone calls up, maybe they've just graduated college, maybe they're 20, 21 and they want to buy a house. And so we take them through an application, you know, where do you work? What do you make? And then we get to the credit portion and we pull their credit and it says NA or zero. Nothing is reported on there. And though they're probably responsible, you know, they don't have an understanding as to what it takes to actually get a mortgage loan, get an auto loan, get a credit card, really get anything. These things just aren't taught in school. And so if the parents haven't been responsible and really you know, instill that knowledge in their kids. Um, young adults just simply don't have uh, an idea as to how those things work, how you qualify for financing. So let's start with credit. I mean, let me ask you, what's the simplest way of telling somebody what is your credit and why is it important? You know, that's it. That, geez, that's a good question because really um, there's – there's a lot of, you know, food for thought when it comes for credit. And a lot of people will tell you that credit is bad. And they'll say, oh, no, no, don't get credit. Credit's terrible. And they talk about that and they pay cash for everything. There's, you know, there's big famous uh, financial advisors that talk about that. Don't use credit, pay cash, save money, all those things. And that's, that's great. And I support, you know, um, not abusing credit but using credit. Um, there's a lot of benefit that can be uh, brought from having good credit. Um, but basic 
way to say what is credit is the or a credit score is the ability to borrow money. Um, credit history and credit scores. Um, I'm going to be able to look at what you've borrowed in the past and make a judgment of whether or not I'm going to lend you money. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, what's the simplest way to define it? Like, I guess it's telling creditors how responsible you are. So the only thing this is this is if 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 you're listening and you know nothing about credit, the only things that report to your credit report that's tied to your social security number, your name, your date of birth, the only things that are going to report to this mystical thing called your FICO score or your credit are creditors that you've borrowed money from, okay? That doesn't mean uh, your gas bill with Questar. That doesn't mean your power bill with you know, UPNL or T-Mobile, unless you went to collections, of course. So only places where you borrowed money. So if you're young and you, you know, have never bought anything, chances are you don't have a credit score. There's nothing in your credit file for us to pull. When we enter in your social, when we go to access credit, there's just nothing there. There's no history. Which, you know, it's not bad, but it's definitely not good because there's no way for a lender to determine if you have the, if you're going to repay. There's no track history. There's no, there's no record. And so let, let's, because I know you've done a podcast about this before. So when you look at what it requires to actually register a credit score, let's say you're, let's say you're 19 years old. And you're like, man, I really would love to buy a house. I've got this job, or you're 20 or 24 or whatever, and you have never got a loan before. What's required in order for you to get a credit score? How long does it take? How do you do it? How do you go about it? And then let's talk about that because some people, uh, even parents, they, they would love to, for their kids to buy a home or get a car loan, but they don't have a credit score. So how do you do that? Um, basically, it's going to take at least one trade line and it's got to report at least for 30 days. Um, so if you go get a, a credit card from a buy here, pay here type place, it's not going to report on your credit report. You're going to want to go to somebody that's going to report to all three bureaus, somebody that's going to have uh, a major amount of creditors. So um, for instance, like if you don't carry at least 500 people that you report monthly, then the credit bureaus charge you money. You can get your rent payments and different things like that put on your credit report. You can do that yourself, but you have to pay like a one-time setup fee. And then it's like seven bucks a month to have your rent reported to your credit report. So that's, uh, that's one of the things where, the larger the establishment, the easier it is to know that's going to be on your credit. So one thing that uh, is important to note right here is, you know, if if you're a child, if you're 17, I know we've done this for our kids. So let's just let's talk about it. So um, if you if you've never had any credit, you're underage. What a parent can do is they can go and add you to their American Express or Visa uh, as an authorized user. Okay. It, even if they don't charge on it, they don't have access to that. I mean, you don't want to give your kid a uh, you know, credit card that has twenty five grand on it. And be like, hey, here you go. You know, head over to the mall, go to go to Nordstrom's, buy what you want. But it's going to allow that trade line to report to their credit. 
Now it's going to state it as an authorized user, and and it's not uh, it's not going to help them immensely, but at least there's something reporting on there. Um, some other things here in Utah that we've used in the past as tools is uh, go to RC Willie, right? You may be able to buy it cash, but to Matt's point, using credit to strengthen your credit profile is actually a good thing. So let's say you have an apartment and you need a lamp, right? Go to RC Willie, finance the lamp. Yeah, it might cost you a little bit, but it's going to allow that trade line to report to credit. One of the interesting things, um, we've both been doing this for over two decades, and it's taking longer now for trade lines to report to credit and actually register a credit score. It's taking three to six months sometimes. So you can't come to us and say, hey, yo, I want to buy a house. We pull your credit. There's no score. And you go and do one of these things. And two weeks later, the score is registered. You have to kind of lay the train tracks. Okay. And so get out in front of it. Do this now so that you can have scores in the future and have some depth and actually, you know, have a credit profile that's going to allow you to get an auto loan, to get a home, and just, you know, monitor that. We'll talk more about kind of what goes into that score once you have credit established and you have several accounts. But I think it's important to note, especially for kids, uh, you know, or young adults, like you got to put some energy into having a credit profile. Oh, for sure. And that's uh, the thing that it, uh, it's just like anything. Credit's been around forever. And we talk about it as mystical, magical, like nobody really understands like you know, all the details that go into it. However, there are details that go into it. And like that's, that's the thing is um, as an adult, like you look at it, everybody knows it's your FICO score. That's what you hear that constantly. Oh, you got to have a good FICO. You got to have a good FICO. Well, FICO actually comes from some names. It was invented by a guy named Bill Fair and Earl Isaac. So it's uh, the Fair Isaac Company, and that's where FICO comes from. It was invented in uh, 1956, and they, um, you know, fig uh, figured out an algorithm to be able to give a credit score, and they went out and sold it, and they've made billions of dollars, and now they're uh, publicly traded. Um, and they're, anyway, good for them. I wish I could invent a credit score because prior to that, you know, everybody just uh, the way they figured credit was just off of your profile. They'd look at you and say, hey, you seem like a nice guy. I'm going to lend you some money. Yeah, you're, you're a beautiful person. You, you'll probably pay it back. Let's just lend them money. Exactly. Makes me think of uh, um, that old Saturday Night Live skit with Eddie Murphy. I don't know if you ever saw that. Mm -hmm. um, he, uh, he goes into a bank and he, he, he dresses up and uses makeup and stuff like that and goes in and calls himself Mr. White and tries <laughs> to get a loan. And uh, the banker's like, just take it. Just take the money. Like, don't even worry about it. He's like, well, don't I have to pay it back? He goes, oh, no, don't worry about it. And then he goes in as Eddie Murphy and they throw him out of the bank. <laughs> so it's... Look uh, at the 80s Eddie Murphy back. That dude was awesome. Oh, dude, killed me, man. I love that guy. So... But uh, that's, that's the history behind credit scores. I mean, they were invented 50 years ago. Credit's been around forever, but credit scores were, are relatively new. And then, you know, one thing that you and I deal with all the time is someone calls up and they're like, hey, you know, I've got a 740 credit score. And then we pull it and it's like, bro, you got like a 662. And so 
you know, why is that? Like if you're hop on credit karma and maybe you, you have credit, like two or three trade lines are reported and you're seeing what your score is and then you come to us and we're like, yeah, dude, that's not your credit score. So I, I think that uh, it's not very many clients understand uh, kind of what goes into it and the different algorithms. I know you've studied this, but let's say, for example, you have, uh, you're playing for a mortgage loan or an auto loan or a revolving trade line or meaning a credit card. Do they all use, I feel like I'm interviewing you. <laughs> anyway, do they all use different, uh, why, would the, why would the scores be different? Because we, we pull three, yeah. TransUnion, Experian, and Equifax. Those are the three credit companies. But if you go to America First to get an auto loan, they may only pull Experian, right? We're going to go off the middle of three, but why would someone's scores differ from finance company to finance company or credit karma to what we pull um, that's a great question. And honestly, there's even within Experian, TransUnion and Equifax, they have different algorithms that they, uh, they use. Um, like right now, uh, there's, uh, FICO 98. It came out in 1998. I mean, these guys update their algorithms constantly. Experian has their risk models. There's FICO 04, FICO 8, 9, 10, 10T, there's just multitudes of different algorithms calculate different uh, credit scores, and it depends on what they're going to be using. Like if you go to uh, freecreditreport.com um, to pull your own credit score, you're going to get, uh, I want to say it's FICO 04 is what they use. Which you can do for free. Yeah. I mean, I think you can pull, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can pull your score once a year or twice a year through freecreditreport.com going to spit you out a credit score but that that credit score may be different than what we use right we use a full it's called a rmcr report or a full mortgage report um and it may be slightly different than what you get from freecreditreport.com generally speaking they're going to be close but they're going to be um slightly different uh, from one another so i mean let, let's let's talk about what well, let me give you an example. So my, my history, I grew up in the car business. And growing up in the car business, doing some finance, we would see uh, credit reports. And at the time, this is in the 90s, okay, or early to mid-90s, and we would see credit reports. And a big part of your score, believe it or not, back then was if you had, let's say you had five credit cards that were open, and you had a Visa, American Express, Discover Card, you know, what's in your wallet, and they all, none of them had balances or they, you know, maybe had small balances. What would happen is it actually hurt your credit scores because it showed that, man, you had access to all this money. You had access to 80 grand or 50 grand that was all unsecured. You could go to Wendover and, you know, live the high life for a weekend. And, but that's changed. So one of the things now, along with payment history, I don't want to skip over payment history because that's, essentially 35% of your score. 30% of your score is going to be the amount that you owe on those trade lines. But let me give you an example. That same scenario from the 90s that hurt your credit, if you had open trade lines, now actually helps you because it shows if you've got an Amex, American Express, a Visa, Discover card, Cap One card, and you don't owe anything on them, 
what it does is it shows that you have the ability to charge, but you're choosing not to. And so the longer those stay open, if you have an American Express from the 90s and you charge a loaf of bread or buy, a, buy some socks on it each month and pay it off, but your high limit's 70 grand, it's actually going to help your credit immensely. So, oops, I'm kicking my mic. So um, that's a big part of your credit score. A lot of times you and I will see people come in and they have no late payments. They have 10, 15, 20 years of credit, but their scores are low. And they're like, what the crap? Like, I've never been late on anything. But you look at their revolving trade lines and they have a visa that they owe five grand on high limits, six grand. So keeping your balances at 30% or lower of what your high limit is. So if the high limit's 10 grand, you want to owe three grand or less. And that actually helps your credit immensely. And then as you get depth, and depth is going to be the amount of time that trade line has actually reported to your credit. So do you, when you're, if you're not using a credit card, don't cut it up and throw it away. Use it once a year, but leave that trade line open because it gives you some depth. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing is they use an average. That's why everybody, like, uh, at Christmas time, all their credit scores go down because every time you go to check out anywhere, whether it's Target or Nordstrom's or, you know, Victoria's Secret. They, They're like, buy this credit. You want this credit card. You can do it for nothing. Yeah, get this credit card. We'll give you 20% off today. And so you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go deep at Target because I'm getting 20% off on Black Friday. What, what? So you sign up for this credit card. It opens up, and you're like, I'll just use it today, and then I'll pay it off, and it'll be fine. What happens is now all of a sudden you have 10 credit cards that have been open a month and you have, let's say, 10 credit cards that have opened 10 years. Now all of a sudden, because they use that average, you fall in the middle and your credit depth is five years. So if you're going to look to raise your credit score and you have newer credit, you can close that out and it's going to give you that depth. But you're better off just to keep you know, your credit cards open, keep things going um, because that's what you want to see. And part of that as well is what kind of things are you financing? You know, when you look at revolving credit, I mean, revolving credit's fine. It's actually one of the things that lenders look at um, with the new algorithms that come out, they're looking at, it's called trending credit. And it's, okay, I have a revolving trade line and it is growing every single month last month i owed 15 this month i owe two grand next month i owe 2500 so that's going to push your credit scores down because you look at a credit score it's um really bill fair and earl isaac they were looking at a way to be able to tell if somebody was going to go bankrupt and so it's one of those things where you know the lower the credit score the higher the probability you're going to go bankrupt and when you look at trending credit somebody that's getting deeper and deeper in revolving debt, that is a drain that is harder and harder to get out of. And so that's why, like, that's going to drive your credit scores down on those trending credits. So with revolving credit, it's you definitely want to have it, though, because that's where you're going to be able to show that you're responsible. And with other types of trade lines, you have um, – uh, student loans, you have, you know, car loans, uh, 
uh, home loans, different things like that. Those are all going to report differently, uh, installment versus revolving. But the biggest one that, uh, believe it or not, a lot of people will go out and get that actually doesn't look good on your credit is signature loans. Yeah, the credit mix. I mean, we're talking about credit mix. So whether you're doing installment, so to define installment, you you know have an auto loan or something that's on a fixed repayment that's not a mortgage, right? It's a it's you're you're financing a a jet ski, right? I guess people finance those jet ski, snowmobile, RV, uh, auto loan, like sixty month term. Here's your rate. Here's your payment. Boom, installment. Everything's fixed. Then you have revolving, which are credit cards, maybe a home equity line of credit, things like that. But you have the ability to charge and pay it back, kind of at your discretion. One thing that's important to note with revolving is um, on credit reports, it'll say either R for revolving or it'll say O. And O means that it's open-ended, okay? So we talk about credit mix. Not all creditors are created equal. You mentioned signature loans. Like an American Express that has an open-ended, you you, you can't charge on that and not pay it off. Like it's a charge card. It's not a credit card. And that's going to report as an O, meaning it's open-ended. There's no, I mean, could you go buy a new Audi on it? Probably, right? And so when that reports to your credit and you've got that O, it actually helps you because it's a high-rated, they don't just give those to anybody, right? It's a high-rated creditor, so to speak. And then so you go installment, revolving, and then you get to mortgage, which reports as an M, right? And once you have that credit mix, that actually encompasses 10% of your overall score. Um, it just it, it shows that you're well-rounded. You're, you're a homeowner. There's stability in your life. You have revolving trade lines that have been paid on time with the depth that we talked about. You also have shown that you can pay your auto loans or your jet ski, right? And the depth. When I, when I talk about depth, you know, it's 12 months, 36 months, 6 years, 10 years. The, the more you can have... You can incur a little a little hiccup. Let's say, you know, your your wife loses the credit card bill, right? The dog eats the mail or whatever, and you miss the credit card uh, payment one month. Could it, it can happen, right? To even the greatest of borrowers, you can just miss something. If you have a thirty day late, but you have that credit depth, it's still going to hurt you, right? But if you only have the one trade line on your credit and you have a thirty day late, it's going to murder you, and so. When we talk about like laying the train tracks, I can't remember the statistic. Years ago, um, I heard a statistic about you know, people, almost everyone is going to incur some type of credit difficulty in their life. And so prepare for it. Like if that's the statistic, you know, hopefully nobody does. But if you can lay the train tracks for um, having stability in your credit, I mean, what... It's not, this isn't just important so you can get a house. This is important so you can get the best loan because when your credit scores go down, that just costs you money. It's just, you're just, it's like throwing money in the wind. So rather than doing that, monitor it, keep those scores high, do these little teeny things necessary to protect, you know, your finances. Absolutely. And that's the thing is when you look at credit scores, and the newness thereof, are they fair? No, they're not. And are they perfect? No, they're not. They're far from it. And that's the whole thing is that's why, like, if you know how, 
is an algorithm. It's a computer. It's a game. If you know how to beat the game, it's like, what is it with it? Bobby, I can't remember the guy who beat chess, like beat the computer at chess. He was like super good. They made thought, a movie about it. I thought you were going to say Contra, up, oh. up, down, down, B-A-B-A, <laughs> yeah, yeah. select, start. There you go. Unlimited lives. There you go. <laughs> Actually, it was just 30, but, you know. Oh, was it only 30? <laughs> yeah. I said it need more than 30. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, the biggest thing with that is it's not perfect. And so you got to learn how to like tweak the system to beat it a little bit. And there are different ways to do that. But that's what's important is if you treat your credit like you should, like it is the most important thing on the face of this God's green earth, then you don't have to worry about beating the system. You just have it. It's good to go. Like that's where people just... They, they overstep that sometimes. They just think, oh, I just have to pay my bills on time. No, because the difference between a 657 credit score and a 660 is three points. Oh, so hold on. I'm going to cut you off. So 657. I took an application earlier this week, Monday, Tuesday of this week. Um, his previous client, she got married. They want to. She wants to sell the condo that they're in. Uh, now that she's married, they want a little bit bigger home. Their income, household income's gone up. And she has great credit. I don't remember, 740-plus-ish. Um, they both have good income. Her new husband, well, he's 27 years old, something, uh, right, late 20s. He has uh, a 657 credit score. I just popped in my head. So what sucks for them is we're going to go off the lower of the two scores. So even though she has a 740, this kid has, I say kid, this, this young man, this adult, has one <laughs> trade line, right? He's not delinquent. Like, it's paid current. He's had it for, I want to say, two or three years. It's like a little rinky-dink credit card for like 1000 bucks. He owes like 900 bucks on it, okay? He's a, he hasn't done anything wrong. He's done nothing wrong. Matter of fact, in his eyes and in mine, like, he's been responsible. But he hasn't done those things to now, now, if he took that and paid it to zero, chances are his scores would go up pretty quick. But just paying your bills on time isn't enough. Having um, depth and ha- having those balances at 30% or lower and paying on time and, you know, not, like you said, not playing for 10 credit cards in one month, having the mix of auto excuse me, auto uh, credit and different things helps them. So in this scenario, um, 657 credit score is what we're going to go off of. So I cut you off. What does that do from a 740 to a 657 credit score? What's that going to do to them? You're looking at a very minimum uh, 2% swing in cost. And on top of that, the rate, you're not even going to be able to get the rate that you could. And even the difference between just a small margin, 657 and 660. I have one right now that I, I, the difference for this kid, because he's got a 657 credit score, he has to pay an additional $3,600 to the lender to get his interest rate. Yeah. It's right now. And, been- and that's, sorry, I don't mean to cut you, but that's not our fee. That is the bank's fee. The bank charges that. Yeah, let's side, let's sidebar. So, when you when you look at us pricing loans and looking at credit scores and all that stuff, these loan level pricing adjustments. Okay, the lower your score, the higher 
the pricing adjustment. And basically what that means, the lower your score, the more it costs you to get the same rate as your neighbor. Okay. You're bragging about, they're bragging about their rate at the barbecue. Well, you know, chances are they probably have good credit for you to get that same rate with the 657 credit score. It's going to cost you a ton of money. And so go back to this scenario and then like looking at this gal with a 740 previous client, they both have good income. If he would have just like laid the train tracks, like got an auto loan, you know, or even better, one other thing is increased his high limit with Visa, increased his high limit with whatever card he has. Generally speaking, every six months, you can go to a creditor that you have a revolving trade line with and request that they increase your high limit. Okay. So in his scenario, thousand bucks had that, that card for what I say, two, three years, he could have gone and said, Hey, can you bump it up to two grand or 2,500? And then if he charged 900 bucks on it, it wouldn't hurt him as bad. And so go and increase those trade lines, but it kind of sucks for these, um, for these people because they're going to, they haven't done anything wrong, but they're going to get hit. It's going to cost them a lot of money and I can't get them the best loan that's available because he just hasn't really insulated himself. I guess is the best way to put it. Insulated himself against uh, uh, not having, uh, you know, those scores below. Yeah, and that's what, and that's why so many people say like, "Oh, credit's bad. Credit's bad." Everybody says things are bad that they don't understand, and it's really easy just to. I shouldn't say everybody. That's I don't mean to broad brushstroke there, but like that's the thing. If you understand what it's used for, how to use it, how to use it as a tool then it makes it so it's not scary. It makes it so you can use it and be, um, you can accomplish stuff. It's just like, I looked it up while we were sitting here because you mentioned it last time, um, what a smorgasbord was. Yeah, I was going to look that up. Dang so it. so I looked it up because just saying the word scares me. I mean, it's one of those scary words, you know, smorgasbord. And I, like, honestly, there is no board in it. I thought it was a board, like B-O-A-R-D. No, it's B-O-R-D. Crazy, huh? Anyway, it's just like, I don't know, like a big thing, like full of hors d'oeuvres and different foods. I thought it was like a cheese platter or something. Yeah, no, it's like they they say that it's, uh, hang on, I'll read it to you. uh, A buffet offering a variety of hot and cold meats, salad, (laughs) hors d'oeuvres, et cetera. I like it. Anyway, there you go. I just... It just made me think of that when we were talking about, you know, not understanding something. And it's like, if you take the time to learn about it, it makes it so now you can feel comfortable with it. You can feel confident in what you're doing. You know, okay, it's okay to have a credit card. It's okay to get this 20% off. It's okay to do it if I do it this way. But if I don't, I might be screwed. Yeah, that's why, like, I don't, uh, I don't wire anything in my house. I don't care what it is. Like, I don't even like to change light bulbs, bro. <laughs> dude, I like don't it. fox with that. So <laughs> why? Because, I, dude, I don't understand electricity. Like, I've been shocked a couple times. I'm not down for it. I don't do anything in my house. Like, something breaks. My wife's like, you should really fix it. I'm like, no, I don't. Nope, not going to happen. Why? Because I don't understand it. But if I got on the internet, there's this thing called Google. I could probably become pretty, you know, kind of proficient elementary level on, like, how electricity works. I just haven't put in the time. Um, Credit's the same way. Like anything you want to know, go to the internet. You can learn about credit. You can sit and you can read about these things that we're talking about. 
they're all readily available to anybody. But not understanding it makes you afraid. Not understanding it, um, you don't put in the energy to to uh, uh, insulate yourself against problems. And so I just think it's uh, I think it's interesting. It's it, we see it from a financial side, and there's people that have just whether it be by effort or by sheer luck, they have phenomenal credit. They have tons of credit depth. Um, you know, like I said, whether it's by luck or or you know effort. But then there's those who are on the other side, you know, whether it be just by bad luck or not putting in the energy, they're not hurt like this kid with the 657 credit score. So one thing I would say is because when we talk about uh, brokers and we talk about mortgage brokers, obviously um, we, we love lending and we're a broker because it's the best way for a client to get a loan. One of the things that a lot of brokers around the country would do, as well as us, is someone comes in and they're pre-qualifying, you're not doing a refinance or anything, and their scores are low, we're going to sit down with them and say, hey, if you did this and this, chances are your scores will go up. Maybe they're not going to buy till the fall, right? They've got three or four or five months until they're ready to buy. We can say, hey, go do this, this, and this, and we'll look at your credit again in 90 days. Chances are it's going to go up. Now, if they've had late payments... Like, I don't care who, who you are. If you've had late payments, there's no attorney that's going to, like, get those things removed, right? All they're going to do is dispute it. Then it doesn't go into the model. And don't do that, right? Don't call consumer credit counseling and those things. Like, look at it and say, uh, what can I do to improve it? Talk to a mortgage broker. You can go to findamortgagebroker.com. Yeah. And you can look it up and find someone who will actually provide you the necessary knowledge to increase and improve your scores. Yeah. And on top of that, there it's one of the things that we do every single time somebody applies for a loan, I have to check your credit. And let's just talk about that for a second. I cannot do anything unless I look at your credit. But what about the inquiry? It's going to kill me. Here's the thing with that. You can have your credit checked um, as many times as you want as long as you're not opening new credit lines. And it's going to affect your credit score five points in a 30-day window. They did that so people can shop for car loans, so they can shop for a mortgage broker. But if you have your credit pulled and you don't know the score, and it's, that's great. Tell me the score. I can, I can price you out on that. But if you say, I'm not going to let anyone tell uh, pull my credit until... I've made a decision. Well, I can't tell you anything. Well, one of the other things, though, that's important to note with that is we've got to calculate your debt-to-income ratio. So we're just talking about credit right now, but obviously we're going to collect your income. We're going to calculate what qualifying income you have, whole other topic. Um, but we also have to see what's reported on your credit, not just your scores. We have to find out what's reported on there. You may tell me, oh, I've got this loan on my Honda Accord and – I've got this credit card that I pay off every month. Great. But when I pull your credit and there's four accounts on there, oh, I, I forgot about uh, I forgot about that uh, uh, Ski-Doo loan. You know, I forgot about, uh, I didn't know that reported credit. We have to hit you with everything that reports to credit. So even though Credit Karma is telling you you've got a 780, I can't actually calculate your debt ratio until I see the credit, I go through the trade lines, and I calculate what you're paying out to those creditors. So 
I mean, bottom line is, if you want a loan and you want us to invest the time and energy to get, and give you the education and pre-qualify you, you got to have your credit pulled. Don't be afraid of it. Again, it's one of those things, like, you don't understand it. Like, I'm telling you, you have to, we have to access your credit in order to pre, you want to go look for houses with a real estate agent and drive around the valley, you got to have your credit pulled and you're doing yourself, the agent and everyone a disservice if you're not fully pre-qualified. It's just part of the process. Absolutely. And that's the thing is once we have that credit score, we have your credit score. It's not like, and credit reports are good for, you know, well, right now they're, it's a little bit different because of the pandemic and the length of time that we can use them. But typically 90 days. Yeah. 90, 120 days. Um, right now is what? 30. 30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little shorter right now. We're getting out of the, the, uh, underlighting overlays and some of those things. But, um, I, I just, you know, credit is interesting because I feel like they should, um, and I want to give some pointers here in a sec, but about takeaways, but I feel like they should be teaching these things, maybe not necessarily in middle school or grade school, but definitely when you get to the ninth, 10th grade level and beyond, it's, it's just not taught. And people can keep, people can find the knowledge. They can go to the internet they can read about it. But usually by the time they have a need for that, it's too late because you have to get out in front of it. Um, I really wish that the education in this country would be a little more about finance, about credit, about these, you know, the three C's you talked about or the four C's, um, because I think it would really help people. You're, you go to school to, to get knowledge and a skill set to make money. One of your biggest bills is your mortgage, but you have no idea how it works or what, how credit works. And it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. No, I agree. So just on, uh, and then we can, you know, wrap up and get, get some good takeaways. But um, we talk about working hard to get good credit. I'm going to tell you right now, people with bad credit, the lowest credit score I've ever seen is a 385. Now, the lowest credit score you can get is a 280, and that's with Equifax. But honestly, like to get bad credit, to have a bad credit score, it takes a lot of effort. People think, oh, I just won't pay my bills. No, then they go into collections, and then you don't score. To get like a 385, like this guy was impressive. I was like, this guy has been at this for years. This is as impressive as like an 850. Dude, seriously, because it was like every day this guy would like, he would have new credit, and then he would let some stuff go delinquent, but then he'd bring a current, and then he'd like have a couple collections accounts and a (laughs) bankruptcy, but never fully wiped clean. So it's like having bad credit takes a lot of effort. So... Make sure, like, if you're gonna if you're gonna be dedicated, dedicate yourself either to good credit or bad credit, and I promise one or the other, I will remember you when you apply. <laughs> <laughs> so, some takeaways here, like, if you're if you're listening to this at home in your car, you know, whatever, riding your bike, whatever, what can you do? Okay, what can you do right now? What's what's the takeaway? When you get done listening to this, what can you do in the next 24 hours, 48 hours to fix or improve or maybe help someone else, your kids? Um, the first thing I would do, which you, you mentioned uh, like Target or, or Old Navy or you know these cards that you apply for. I remember when I first walked into college at Utah State, the very first table 
that I saw was an application for a credit card. And I was like, yeah, I don't really need a credit card, you know. Typically, those credit cards are going to be like $500 limit, $250 limit. Like if you buy some pants at Old Navy and they finance it, don't do that. Okay, if you have those, just get rid of them. You don't need them. If, you're, if your spouse or significant other has gone out and done that, just make sure it's a zero balance and close it. You don't need a $250 card for Target. Okay, you just, you just don't. It's not helping you. It's hurting you. If you charge anything on it, chances are it's going to be over 30%. Just get rid of those. Don't apply for them. Say, no, thank you. I'm good. And walk away. Okay? So that's like probably the first thing I would say. And the next thing is, um, let's say you're, you know, listening, you're responsible, your credit's good, or it's maybe it's like mediocre, 680, 700, you've been monitoring it. How can you increase that? Look at, you know, your credit cards, call them up, whether it's Discover, Amex, Visa, whatever, and ask to increase your limit. Because if you've had a card for uh, a few years and you charge on it each month and then you go and you pay it off every month, like you just use it to buy your you know, groceries, gas, things like that, you might as well increase it so that the balance that you have on it each month is a smaller percentage of your high limit. Okay, It's not going to hurt you. Just make a phone call. I mean, with American Express, it takes two minutes. You can get online. You can increase, request a, a line increase. And nine times out of ten, it just, it, bam, it pops within you know, a few seconds, tells you, yes, you're approved for this amount, good to go. Um, cause you have a track record with them already. So those are two things, those little rinky dink cards, get rid of them. Your spouse has them. Divorce uh, them. Yeah. Punch them in the eye and kick them in the dirt <laughs> and then close them. Right. So the next thing is go and increase the accounts that you already have. Don't close them and apply for a new one. Just leave it open, but increase that high limit. Like I said, every six months you can go to, uh, a revolving trade line or credit card company and request that line increase. It just helps you. It just, it just I, I can't I can't say it enough. Those things help you. They give you depth. They help the uh, the amount owed. And then you know the third thing is, don't be late. You know you have to be on time. Make it a priority. To I mean we we see some. I, I think I had a guy that I pulled. It was recently in the last couple months. He had twenty seven trade lines that he was paying on each month. I don't even like. He's paying a bill every day, dude. That's like amazing. 27 trade lines. His scores were actually pretty good, but I'm like, that is so stressful to be paying out on 27 accounts. But he's diligent. I'm not saying go get 27 accounts, but he was diligent. Everything had been paid on time. Make it a conscious effort to pay every single bill on time or early. It's as important as your heartbeat. Just do it. It's as important, maybe more important than getting that raise at work. Like, monitor it, pay stuff on time. Well, let's just back up on that. Just side note, when it comes to paying stuff, especially on revolving credit, pay it early. Pay it before it's due. Pay it before the statement comes out. Because believe it or not, credit credit bureaus and credit card companies, they don't immediately update your balances. Somebody will say, oh, yeah, I just paid $1,000 on my credit card, and it doesn't show on my credit report. No kidding. It's because they only report once a month. So they report when they issue you the statement. So whatever is on your last statement is what's going to be on your credit report. Whatever your payment was on your last statement, 
that's what's going to be on your credit report. So if you have a $1,000 credit card that you use every single month and you pay it off every single month, great for you. I, I commend you for that because it's basically borrowing money at 0% building your credit. But if you pay it off two days before it's due, it'll show a balance of $10 or $0 on your credit report. Now, all of a sudden, your balance to limit isn't 100%, and it helps increase your credit scores. So especially like, you know, on, inve- or I'm sorry, on installment loans, you pay them on time. That's great. But on revolving debt, try to pay it before they issue the statement. Yeah, it's, I think it's a little-known fact. You know, people say, oh, I pay that off every single month. Well, we have business owners that charge 20, 30 grand in their Amex, right? And it's paid off every single month. But what happens on their credit report is whatever they owe. So if your billing cycle ends on the 20th, what Matt's saying is pay that off on the 18th or the 19th. And yeah, you might charge something on it, you know, before the billing cycle's up. But whatever balance is owed, that's what gets reported to credit. So if the billing cycle ends on the 20th and you pay the bill on the 25th or the 28th, right? You're totally within, you know, your agreement to do that, you know, reported late or anything like that. Whatever is there is what reports to credit. And so I think that's, that's super valuable info. Yeah, because, and that's, uh, that's how you beat your balances to limits. Yeah. Then one thing that I know, because we have, we have kids of this age, when your kid turns 18, like if you're an adult and you've got kids or if, you know, you're starting a family, your kids get older, when your kids, uh, they can't get a credit card on their own until they're 18. Okay? They, can't get, they can't sign a legal document or, or apply for credit and get credit until they're 18. You can add them on as an authorized user that will start reporting. Usually it's going to take about six months. It just kind of gives them a head start, so to speak. But when they turn 18, they should get you know a visa for 500 bucks or a Discover card for 500 bucks. Just do it the day they turn 18. Help them sit down, talk to them about these things, and get it open. Because I had a kid uh, down. He was just going to BYU return missionary and he, his dad was going to, he didn't have any income. His dad was going to apply as a non-occupant co-borrower, but he didn't have any, he didn't have a credit score. I think he's 21, 22 years old, was getting married, didn't have a credit score. Couldn't help him. Couldn't do anything for him. Even though his dad had great credit, great income was going to help him out as far as, uh, you know, being the co-borrower and providing the income. I couldn't help the kid because he hadn't done these these things. And so when your kids turn 18, go and help them. Sit them down. Talk to them about credit. I mean, go talk to them now. Talk to them about all this stuff, like why it's important, what it is. Um, it, it's it's dubious, and if you don't understand it, you're scared of it, don't be scared of it. It's it's not scary when you understand it. Absolutely. So, What else? Are going to wrap this thing up? I think so. We've been, we've been jibber-jabbering for, I don't know, like – 47 minutes oh yeah that's that's a long jibber jabber i mean i'm just saying like the one thing like i was saying earlier about podcasts that i really really like is i actually really like hearing my own voice in my ears (laughs) now you know it makes me feel important number one but number two i like i like your very white voice i mean it's just you know super sexy my voice used to be lower (laughs) it's not as low as it used to be Oh, yeah, baby, come on over here. Check bring, out this love, massive, massive love. You I, know what I'm saying? I should bring my 13-year-old in. His voice is deep, and he's, you know, 
prepubescent. She <laughs> <laughs> runs in the jeans. <laughs> now, this has been good. I, you know, like I said, we'll we'll talk about hit on a lot of these things, but credit's the one thing that applies to everybody. So I think this is a is a great topic. Um, you know, we'll discuss some other things in the future. You got anything to wrap up? Anything else? No. I love, I love your shirt. Thank you, by the way. The Bro Camino. Absolute, man. I got to give a shout out to my boy, you know. But uh, no, I think uh, really, honestly, you put it best when you say, you know, credit applies to everybody. And people that will tell you not to use credit, like, yeah, God bless them. I, I, those people are making millions of dollars by you buying into their programs. So, yeah, they're not using credit yeah. because they're paying cash for everything. But for the rest of us in this world that are middle-class citizens or whatever, like, yeah, credit is a necessity. If you want a house, if you want a car, if you want anything, you're going to need credit at, at least once in your life, I promise you. And if you build it correctly and you build that foundation – then you will be grateful. Yeah, yeah, and you know, like I said, go to freecreditreport.com, pull your score, just you know, pull up your phone, hit Google, read about credit. I think it's super valuable. You won't regret it. And um, let's wrap up and stay. Uh, I don't want to stay home, stay safe. Let's stay, yeah, stay happy, stay safe. Yeah, because we're yellow now. Well, yeah, we'll roll with stay happy. Yeah, because that, that's a thing. Utah is is a yellow state, so. Um, I made a meme about that when that uh, got released from uh, um, Back to the Future 3. You know, nobody calls me yellow unless you're in Utah. (laughs) Okay, thanks, guys. Talk to you next time.